0: Welcome to the show, everyone. I have an interesting treat for you today. Today's episode is an interview I did with Judo Olympian silver medalist Travis Stevens back in June 2020. Man, this interview is jam-packed with amazing training concepts, stories of his career, and I was really impacted by his mindset. So let's go inside the mind of a U.S. Judo Olympian. Enjoy! I've been following your your work, uh, specifically for four or five years now. Uh, like I said, I started jujitsu in 2004, almost zero takedown, uh, uh lessons and <laughs> classes. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I really get, I came on it like what you and Jimmy were doing. Uh, the, a lot of the videos was like, I believe like Budo videos, uh, at mm-hmm. the time. And, and, uh, so do you kind of go into your story for people a little bit. I mean, you started very young in judo, and yeah. uh, w- what made your uh, parents, help, you know, want to get you into that?
1: Uh, I I grew up in a little bit of like a inner city rough neighborhood. You know, we're not talking like you know the streets of L.A. or Brooklyn or anything, but you know, crime was prevalent. So sports was a way of keeping me off the streets, keeping me focused, keeping me out of trouble, and judo was just purely on. Haven't stance. I just signed up at the local youth center for the wrong club and I got stuck with judo and fell in love with it.
0: (laughs) There you go. It's like fate, you know?
1: Yeah. And, uh, I suffered a catastrophic knee injury when I was younger.
0: Oh, Uh, yes. I heard it. That sounded horrible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh, And my life kind of went downhill after that. You know, I, I started getting into a lot of trouble. My parents actually considered military school for a while. Wow. Okay. Um, and then found judo again, just from watching old tapes at home one day. I threw them in, decided, you know what? I love it. I'm going to get back into it and I'm going to make it like my life's mission to go to the games and represent my country.
0: Okay. So that was a, the period of time where you decided, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go for the, the Olympic games here.
1: Yeah. Before I ever went back to my first practice, I, I made that choice. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going all the way with it. There's no, there's no going back. Right. Like the one thing people always talk about is like the grass is greener on the other side. Yeah. And I, had, I was actually a very successful judo player when I was younger and I was really good in sports, played soccer, judo, tennis, all those sports. And then when I couldn't play sports anymore through that period of time, I really, I really truly understood what it would be like oh. without having it in my life.
0: Interesting.
1: Right. So when I came back to it, There was no, like, I want to go back to that life without it.
0: Interesting. I think a lot of people are feeling that right now. I mean, some people are like, yeah, I may go to class. Now they're really like, man, I can't wait to get back in there. Yeah, I had
1: had years of it. Like, no physical activity. Couldn't walk on crutches. Couldn't even take gym class.
0: Wow. That's that's crazy. Um, yeah, <clears throat> that's as far as uh, going into that nasty memory. We'll go into today. Yeah, <laughs> we don't we don't ask the hard hitting questions here. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you inspire uh, many people uh I, when wow. we had we had jimmy out we had an amazing uh conversation and he told the, the group was uh you know you see the guy in the podium with the medal you see him on the wheaties box you see you see all the the successful points you don't see like the real nasty lows keep kind of going to know what like the <clears throat> your, your mindset is for things like that
1: you know i'm a i'm a firm believer in goal setting and you know setting your path and And I think the biggest mistake people make in life is they dream big instead of dreaming small and
0: interesting. Okay.
1: And it's, I think it's really important to have big dreams to kind of keep your moral compass, understand where you're going in life, understanding why you do what you do day in and day out. But every, everything you do should be thought of as like winning and losing for me. Got it. Right. And it's up to you, the person to decide what's winning and what's losing, like how you, your outlook on life, right? Two people walk into a room, Mm -hmm. two people walk out of the room. They have two completely different experiences and there's no right or wrong. It's perception, right? Yeah. You go into a restaurant, somebody gets hair in their food. The other person does it. One person has a great time. One person doesn't, it doesn't mean that their experiences are wrong. So as an athlete, when I'm, When the, the lower I am mentally, the smaller my goal, because you still want to achieve those successes. So like when I would come back from injuries, for example, which is a really hard time for athletes, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: one of the goals I would always set, set for myself had nothing to do with, do I pin my opponent? Do I arm lock them? Do I choke them? Do I throw them? It was never thought of that way. It was, I just want to stand up before my partner does. So like when we try to take each other down, when we hit the ground, because the idea is how do I get in shape? I'm just going to do more than the other person. I'm going to attack. I'm going to get up and I'm not just going to lay there no matter how tired I am. My focus is getting up. So while I might be getting thrown, I can walk away from the round feeling like a champion, like I did my job. Right. My yeah. focus was this. It didn't matter that I threw you. It didn't matter that you threw me. What mattered was while you were laying there on the ground, I was up ready to go before you. And I, I just changed the script of the story to make myself the good guy no matter no matter how life is treating me.
0: That's a, those models. That's amazing. That's something that people, it's feasible. It's something that people can control. Yeah, yeah I, that's that's awesome. I mean, there's so much that led up to this. You know, I'm not going to go every little part of the career. It kind of culminated into winning the Olympic Games and you got that silver medal. I mean, what did that feel like the last round there? I mean, what did that feel like that day?
1: It People don't understand the, and athletes would never admit it, but the amount of pressure that you're under, not, not from the community, but from an inward self where, when you, if you were to like go like out of body experience and take a look at yourself, you will always be your toughest critic, which means when it comes to like the pressure, it's, it comes from something inside where like, if I looked at you and I said, and I, I would instantly, as an athlete who has a persona, I would feel like I'm going to put your judgments that I think you have to me, and I'm going to project them onto myself. Like all my insecurities, all my okay. doubts, like I'm going to look at the world and I'm going to say, you know what, like I got thrown for Epon and it's like, everybody must think I'm a joke. Right? Like if you, I lose, if you lose first round, you assume everybody in the world knows about it and you should feel ashamed and embarrassed. Interesting. Okay. Right? Like if I, if I enter a grand slam and I go out in the first round, all the athletes feel embarrassed, disappointed. They've let down their coaches, their family, their country, whoever it is. Right. I've, I've done it right where yeah. like I've lost <clears throat> and I've locked myself in my room because I feel embarrassed. <laughs> but nobody actually thinks that way. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Like no one cares. No one remembers. No one, no one pays attention, right? Like there are very few instances throughout my 10 year on the circuit where I could actually pinpoint the memory to a person and, and reconcile it. Like I fought the 2016 games. I was there. Couldn't even name the medalist telling you right now couldn't do it yeah
0: no one knows no
1: one cares if it's not top of mind which means that whatever loss you have whatever win you have none of it matters right so what i would do is i would kind of just internalize it into just am i happy okay am i truly just happy and one of the things that led to my success in rio was i left all the baggage behind the last year i was like I don't don't care. Like I looked at my career. I looked at myself and I go, you know what? I've been a top five player for a long time. I've been inside the top 10. I may not have all of the stats, but from a consistency level, I'm up there with the best in the world. Right. When I I stepped on a mat, when I entered a tournament, I was somebody people would bet on to medal that day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I took that as like, you know what? I could hang my hat and retire. It's not about the metal. It's not about yeah. this. So when, when I finally got the metal, that last couple pounds of like pressure, it was gone. And with it, and with it was the desire to do anything physical again. Like I just, oh like, wow, okay I can't even take training seriously. I just, I can't do it.
0: Interesting. I Very. Just, it's all in the mind, right? It's all yeah. in yourself. It's all it's right. you.
1: I lost it. I was chasing it for so long that when you finally got it, that idea of the chase and the drive and the hunger, like, I don't, I don't need it anymore. I have it. And once it, once it kind of left me, like I could feel it just like, just leave. Wow. And I was like, I felt so light, so airy, so carefree.
0: Wow, that's that's so interesting. I mean, you do hear, like, uh, popular-wise, like the UFC, someone hit finally gets the title. And the hard part's defending the title multiple times because that, right there, that drive, because I got it. You've competed not just in Olympic Games, everything building up, the Pan American Games, the Pan American Championships, uh, all, all the slams, everything leading up to it. Um, and there's one video you did I thought was awesome. You did a video on, hey, if you're injured, what do you do for injury as far as your training and things like that? And I think you had, like, a broken toe. Oh, and that video! You, oh, here we go. And you literally walked up to a, a padded wall and just started kicking it. You're like, "That's yeah. that." You just kind of just work your work your way through it.
1: So, kind of the idea the idea behind that was: um, some people set goals. Some people say things without a realistic idea of what it takes to accomplish it. And, and what it takes for you to accomplish it is different than me, because we all have different natural abilities, different gifts, different walks of life, different resources. Yeah. And so the answer to what does it take to become an Olympian? What does it take to win an Olympic gold medal? That answer as cookie cutter, as it may sound, when you really break it down is different for everybody. But at the end of the day there are three or four things that you are going to have to accept in order to accomplish it and dealing with something like a broken finger, a broken toe, uh, stitches, um, you know, bumps and bruises like that. You're, you have to power through some of these minor things that I would never under any circumstances tell a weekend warrior or a recreational player to ever go through. But when when you come to me and you say, hey, I want to be the next guy, I want to be the next female, I want to be the next superstar, you better be willing to pay the price. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, hey, today, this is where you are. I'm going to say, here's where the next Olympic champion, how do we close that gap? Because there's a time limit. That may mean doing five sessions a day. That may mean 10 hours of work. That may be running marathons. That may be doing 10,000 Uchikomis a day. It's different for everybody just based yeah. on your starting point in life.
0: Yeah. I mean, it gets to a point where you can't see it any other way. Like that's. But this that is- toe, that toe is
1: like, I don't care what walk of life you come from. You're going to have to deal with this. It's time to put up or shut up. And if you don't want to deal with it, this isn't the job for you.
0: That's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's uh, again, that mindset. I mean, there's been many examples where you boom, like something, something like where you, you get that the cut on the head, like you, you just you stay laser focused even through that. It's uh, almost at that point. It's like yeah, just tape it up, let's go. Whereas like a weekend warrior, it's like hey, I may have to take a minute here and yeah, you know, reconcile. Man, I don't
1: I don't want to get fired from my nine to five <laughs> because I'm showing up with stitches and a black eye every other week.
0: Yeah, what are you gonna Fight Club or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's take out of the Olympics stuff. You know, let's say the average guy talking for example, listening here. What do you like to do as far as? training uh, judo versus i don't know weight training and cardio as well like uh how do you like to mix things up for like an average week let's say
1: for me personally yeah i none of it none of it? yeah i i like i said i can't i'm so if i get back into it i am too close to that border of i see you know what I can, I can make this happen. So I just stay away from it. Cause I can't, I know, I know my body. I know my personality. I'm like alcoholics anonymous. Like yeah. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't take me to the bar. Don't, yeah. don't do it. Cause once, once I get, once I get into my groove, I'll be competing for 2021, 2024, whatever the next Olympics is. I'll, I'll be wow. that guy. So for now, I don't touch any weights. you okay. I do zero running. I do no push-ups. I do no sit-ups. At best, I will demonstrate an exercise for a group of people. That's, like, oh, the closest okay. thing I get to working out. Like, I did a few live stream workouts for the community, at like, at home, like, by yourself. Yeah. First time I'd worked out in three years.
0: Wow, really? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I saw you did one with uh, Sanji Hibiero with the band workout, just for people are stuck at home. No, 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 no.
1: Hold on. He did the workout I coached.
0: That's the... Okay, time. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I draw the line. Like I said, I'm I'm
1: very particular. But I yeah, have done it a few times. Um, and as far as judo goes, I do it a few nights a week, but I don't do any warm-ups. I don't do any practice of okay. like the actual art. I don't practice. I will demonstrate and teach and I will fight. Like my office yeah, right now where I'm sitting, yeah. I'm 10 feet from the mats. Wow, okay so I work, practice starts at six, I work till like six forty five, I put my gi on, I finish my coffee, and I step on the mat for Randori and I'm ready to go.
0: Ready? Just ready. I'll work to out
1: with anybody. I don't even care. That awesome. first round will be my warm up. And I do, and then I go right from there into jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And if there's an odd guy on the mat, I'll get to train. And if there's not, then I won't train. And if somebody I, I follow the philosophy of you want to work out with me, you ask. If you don't want to work out with me, then don't ask. And I don't care who asks. I'll go yeah. out, and work out with anybody.
0: That's amazing. I'll have to take you up on that when we're able to travel. So. Yeah, the guys at
1: BJJ Fanatics call me up all the time. They're like, hey, so and is in town. Can you be available at 1 o'clock oh, cool. for a training session? I'm like, sure. I can work it into my schedule. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, and they're like, hey, so how do you want to warm up? I go, I don't yeah. I do not do that. Like, you let me know when you're ready to train, and then I'll I'll come over. Until then, I'm going to go lay down on the side. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just over it i can't
0: i get it yeah I, it gets those engines. you 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 done it and what, what do you what'd you like uh what when you're in your competition mode what'd you like to do for recovery i know that's a big area a lot of, actually don't just train
1: train i i hate i absolutely hate with a passion the idea of recovery is to do nothing like we could talk ice baths we could talk saunas we could right. talk anything we want at the, at the end of the day you need to work out yeah i don't i don't care what it is and i think the problem a lot of people have is they have a misinterpretation of like what it constitutes a workout and it goes oh, okay. both, it goes both ways right like i've i've talked to some wrestlers and they're like man i'm getting workout number 5 in today and i'm like but you're sitting in the sauna but they constitute it as a workout i see, Yeah. Right. Like I talked to BJJ guys all the time. They're like, man, I worked out for three hours. It's like, no, you worked out for 40 minutes and you talked for two. You're yeah, right. Like, let's yeah. be real. Yeah. So like, yeah. like, what do you really need recovery for? Like, what's your actual like output? You know, it's like, yeah, I used to go to Henzo's and we used to train for an hour and a half, but then you'd spend 40 minutes on the side of the mat talking.
0: Right. Just, just right. because
1: you're in the gym doesn't mean you're putting out. Yeah. So for me, my my active recovery was either jiu-jitsu or a style of training or athletic activity that wasn't geared towards the same muscle group that I was trying to recover.
0: And that's a good uh, segue to the next uh, point I wanted to go over was uh, I mean, you have a nasty ground game. And very notably, I mean, was jiu-jitsu more for cross training for you or was that uh, an asset for you, newaza?
1: Um, it was a training tool I used for the 2012 Olympics because, uh, March 12th, I did a team event or it was like the beginning of March sometime in there. And I did a team event for the New York athletic club. who's was one of my big sponsors. Um, and they bring a team in every year to do like a goodwill thing. And, the French guy was really pissing me off. He was, he was like, he kept running out of bounds. Like he was ducking and diving. I could tell he was trying to fight for a draw for his team. And I was okay. losing my temper. So I grabbed him and when he ran out of bounds, I threw him into the crowd and he fell into some chairs. And when the guy stood up to catch him, the chair folded on my foot. And oh, it gave, me a, it gave me a Liz Frank fracture across the top of my
0: foot. Oh man.
1: And so, I tried to train through it for a couple of weeks. And by like week three, I just threw my gi in the trash and I was like, I can't do this. I flew all the way out to Colorado, saw a specialist. He made some recommendations, uh, Mm -hmm. met with Jimmy. He called Henzo on the phone. We decided that I could sit on my butt and do jujitsu. I just can't walk. So then I drove to Henzo's the next day, started jujitsu in like April ish of 2012. And then it just became a thing. The one one thing I really like about jujitsu is Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it is highly competitive in the States. Yes. Yeah. For me to get a very competitive round in the States for judo, I have to fly people here. Wow. Really? I don't care what weight class you're in. I don't care who you are. I don't like, I don't have that here in the States.
0: Wow. So the pool is just, just shorter. Smaller pool of people. And I, I was that
1: good. And I'm, I'm yeah. at a weird weight class where like I'm big enough. Yeah. Where like even the heavyweights in the States, they're not really a challenge. Wow. They're either technically not good enough. They're not physically strong enough. And their size doesn't matter for good judo players because the whole thing with judo is give and take. Okay. Yeah. Right. So like if I can move out of the way and I can move them, I can throw them. Right. And they're just not yeah. that- they're not competitive enough or whatever the reason just to handle it. So I've got to fly to Europe. I've got to fly to Russia. I got to fly to these big international camps to get that really hard training in. Or I could drive to New York for three hours and train at one of the best gyms in the world.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, you got training train right. with Dan her and, and, and Enzo's. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Did you, um, like, as far as jujitsu competitions go, what is your take on takedowns with that? Like, do you have a, I, I found especially like about four or five years ago, I, I started getting into judo uh, judo ensemble, like takedown game. And I found just the Sutemi Waza is like where it's at. Cause people, most people just pull guard or sit down.
1: Um, I think from a competitive standpoint, if you, if you really care to learn takedowns, you're an idiot. Um, when it comes to like the actual like competitive scene, it's a waste yeah. of your time. They just sit. Yeah. Well, it's just it makes more sense. Yeah. Right. Like, but it's it's just strategy at that point, right? If if am I going to take twenty percent of my training time and dedicate it to takedowns, where the guard poler is going to dedicate a hundred percent of his time to just playing okay. guard, like who wins? Because once you've removed 20% of my time, it's 100% useless now, right? Interesting, 100- yeah. Completely useless, which means 80% of my time is actually geared towards getting through this person's position. He has 100% of his energy to beating you. You have 80% of your energy to handle it. It's not time well spent.
0: It's such a great point. I mean, when we had Jimmy out talking about uh, just takedowns alone in judo, Um you know, it's like why I asked him, like, you know, jujitsu and wrestling. It's like do 50% training on this side, same technique, 50% that side. It's like, it's like 50 versus his hundred, you know, I love, yeah. I love the percentages because it makes, it makes a lot of sense. You can think with that.
1: Yeah. It it just lays it out in a clear format that goes, Hey, it's, it's no different. Like I got really upset on a live stream I did the other day when I was doing like, uh, I think it was like no gi takedowns. And the guy was like, Hey, so for self-defense reason, what's a good takedown for this? And I'm like, why do you care? Like get good at the art. And that in turn makes you better at self-defense. When you start getting like into the knit and gritty of like one particular thing, yeah. but you're not a specialist, like you're a street fighter and that's what you do. Like go be a specialist, find the answer. But when you're a rec person who is just trying to be, you know, like know that they're better, they can handle themselves. They're in good shape. They're getting the physical fitness they need. They're educating themselves. Stay away from, you know, drilling down into like these nitty gritty rabbit holes that you could get into of the right. this and that, the mm-hmm. this and that, and that's what people do with takedowns. They're like, I lost this one match because I didn't have a takedown, and it's like, okay, but it's one out of a hundred. Right. Good point. Yeah. Right. And that's and that goes back to like where you're projecting that insecurity into like people really care, yeah. You know, like no one cares. The only time I would really suggest takedowns is if you're in like masters forty plus, okay, and you're over two hundred pounds. Okay, yeah, because by by the division they all want to be on top because it's a lot of weight for an older person to have somebody over 200 pounds on top of them and nobody wants to play bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Great point. So for that, for that person, that little niche of jujitsu, I get it. I I get it. But you know, for the 80% of us who aren't in that niche, let's, let's just ignore it. Let's be done with it.
0: Yeah, and, and Spend your time wisely, right? yeah uh, you know you're training wisely and then that's the other thing i mean you teach uh as well i mean mainly you teach uh, uh at the fuji gym right in Wakefield, yep. massachusetts you also uh, go by henzo's uh you know some j- jiu-jitsu uh keep going to uh just a little bit about your, your teaching like what, what kind of concepts and actually even with judo side of things i mean uh, the champions you're know, trying to gear up I mean, how long does it take to make a champion you know it takes a while doesn't it
1: uh for judo it's about an eight-year process Okay. Under under the assumption that you didn't come to me like an idiot yeah. It, yeah. because when you when you show up with these ideas and these philosophies of how right you are, it takes me a few years just to get you to understand why you're wrong so uh, that I can okay. I can build you back up.
0: So you almost gotta unlearn or or break down that yeah. so they could build interesting, okay. Yeah. I
1: I have to do the same thing for jujitsu. I get brown belts, purple belts, blue belts that come to my gym all the time. And I'm like, I don't know who taught you, but they're wrong. And you're going to be at this rank for a very long time. Got it. You just like, I can't, I can't have, you know, a brown belt walk into my gym and say, Hey, I'm a member. How long does it take me to get my black belt? You, you couldn't even defend a toll hold. If, if your life depended on it. Right. How did you get your brown belt? Like, where, like, where'd you come from? Yeah. yeah. Right? Every time I grab your knee, you tap before I ever have it. Like, do you even know how to play defense? Like, no, no one showed me. But they gave you your brown belt. Right, right. Right? Purple belts that can't defend wrist locks. Or they get angry that people do them. I'm like, but you wearing the rank. Right. Right? Like, people just have these massive holes that, like, I didn't – I hey, I did not write the IBJJF rules that say – Purple belts get to wrist lock. Brown belt gets knee yeah. bar. I didn't do that. It's not my fault. You have to learn that. It's not right. my fault that your instructor didn't teach you and promoted you because he wanted his membership.
0: I don't great. do that. That's a great point. Yes, people do do that, and and, and it's uh, detrimental. It's actually dangerous. I mean, finding to me, finding at least the instructor side, finding weaknesses and holes in the game that that shouldn't be there is is very very important. Uh, I think as right as an instructor, like the worst thing you can do is is build up a a false sense of security and and they don't have the what they need, the tools.
1: I tell all my students that if I give you your rank, no matter what school you walk into, people will know why you're that rank or they're going to think you're sandbagging. But Either way, they're not going to think you don't deserve it.
0: Right. Yeah. There's no point slapping on the belt, the next belt if they're not really ready. Yeah. If
1: I, with all my students, the first question I ask myself is if I give this person a purple belt or a blue belt and they walk into Henzo's, are people going to be able to tell the difference between the blue belts training in that room versus my room? Right. Or are they going to be, are they going to be like in the mix? And sometimes, sometimes I have to ask myself, you know, this person's been on the cusp for like four or five months now, six months. Like, ah, should they have a blue belt? Sometimes they have off days. Sometimes they have good days. I'm like, But if I give it to them, is this the type of person that's going to rise to the occasion?
0: Good point. Yeah. Because some people get that blue belt blues and they just just like, yeah, like
1: I don't want that. I don't want to give them the rank and then be satisfied and then be stuck. I want them to like, I want it to be the incentive to keep improving.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Because they're not quite there yet, but they've been stuck. And I'm thinking that the promotion is going to be the thing that gives them that little edge to want to get better and keep improving.
0: Yeah. It's, it's goal setting, right? I mean, you didn't start because of the belt. Don't quit because of the belt. It, it, it's a belt. You get in there. The proof's on the mat, right? If it, if it was
1: me, we wouldn't have belts, right? Like that's the one thing I love about judo and the biggest misconception in the BJJ world. Black belt is the start, yeah. not the end. Right, right. right? Like a black belt signifies that you know enough to practice freely. Not a mastery level, not a proficiency level. Like, don't go out there and say, "Hey, this black belt showed me this cool trick." That means right. nothing in the world of judo. It's not like BJJ. It's not like Taekwondo. Well, it might be like Taekwondo because Taekwondo yeah. like does little kids as black belts. But that's yeah. not the point, right? It's it's just got a different meaning.
0: Yeah, I, I that's that's super important. Uh, I'm glad. That got brought out. It's super important for people to know because, yeah, they do this belt chasing thing and it's like, that's not what it's about, right? That's one beautiful thing I like about like what the wrestling side of things or Sambo, like the belt just is there to tie the uniform. So, yeah, you've been kind of like all over the world. Did you ever have like in Korea, for example, in Japan, judo's like in high school for like Mm -hmm. gym class? And I remember talking to Jimmy, like the pool of people in the States, it's just, what is your take on that? Like, do we have a, is judo growing in the States and what's the pool of talent look like?
1: Uh, judo is probably dying in America as we speak, uh, very slow, slow death. Um, and it's, it's sad to say, but it's just like, it's just my opinion on, on what I see. And it's, it's a sad state of affairs for, for where we're at with, with that being said, that doesn't mean that, We don't have talented people that could be the next Olympic champion. Right. That's not to say that it's just we're stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? Where the IJF for judo, which is the international judo federation that controls the process in which you qualify for the Olympics. Right. Yeah. Um, they've said, okay, well you get six results a year, right? That means at a bare minimum, At a bare minimum, you've got to travel internationally six times. Gotcha. Wow. At at about five grand a pop. So before you before you've done anything, before you've done anything, you need at least that. Like like bare minimum, right? There's there's already these like limitations of price tags that you need Mm -hmm. in order to accomplish this goal. And what we found was through Kayla, myself, and Marty was to. Put there's a, there's actually formulas to making an Olympic medalist. Like, okay. There's a dollar amount that's put to that. Interesting. Very high. Wow. Right. By the time, like you take an athlete, you pay for his rent, you pay for his car, you pay for his food, you pay for his travel, you pay for his geese. regardless of who pays for it. There's a, there's a dollar amount to that per year times four years times two quads. Wow. That's,
0: yeah.
1: that's like the, like once you sign on that dotted line, you better be ready to come to the table with that amount of money or be able to get it from somewhere.
0: Interesting. You know, I like like in Japan and parts of Korea, like it'd be a corporate thing. Like they'll, that's like your corporate job or gig yeah. is, is Yeah. Judo. yeah. Which yeah.
1: It's where your rent, your food and your other part comes from.
0: Yeah. Right. You, you're
1: actually paid for the act of performing judo. And competing, regardless of winning or losing, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All you got to do, like we used to, I used to go to Japan for like a month and every day, 10 a.m., you used to go to the police academy and you used to train with the police team. You take the train back an hour and a half and then at night you go train with the college team and you come back and you just step and repeat it day in and day out. And all they do all day is train. Wow. That's what they do. That's their job.
0: What, what do you think will change things for that in, in the U.S.? Like, would it take like, you know, more career financial career path capability or I mean, what do you think would change that?
1: Um, I don't think you can as of today, Mm. I think you need to take a lot of gasoline and a very big match and you got to burn the entire idea of what judo is to the ground. All of it. Wow. Just burn it. All of it. Like get rid of all those old hierarchies, get rid of all these people. I see nickel and diming for their positions. Get rid, get rid of all these club owners, that don't understand business and marketing and the value of what it is they bring to the table. Yeah. Right. And you've got to start with, you know, a hundred people like-minded that are willing to go to work and do this professionally.
0: Like a big yeah restart button on it basically. Right.
1: Well, you know what, you know, what's crazy is there's tens of millions of dollars in the sport of judo. yet We can't oh. fund the
0: national team. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. It's (laughs) crazy. It's so crazy. Or even talking, uh, you know, Jimmy, uh, you know, know, if you look at it historically, as far as martial arts go, like judo was basically the first martial art in the States, as far as martial arts go. I mean, you look at Teddy Roosevelt did. uh, You know
1: what's um, crazy about that, though, is you take that as like a, a fact, right? Like, we were here first, never. To my knowledge, in the history of judo, has there ever been a national coach on salary as their job is to wake up and win Olympic medals? Never happened. Think about that. Wow. In in all of the successes that we have always had, it has always been under a volunteer basis. We're like, yes, you get a stipend when you go on a trip, but you still got to work your nine to five to pay for your mortgage, to pay for your kids, to pay for your life. Wow. So the idea, right, is crazy as it sounds. People like me, people like Kayla, people like Marty, people like Jimmy, people like Mike Swain, we we defy the odds to no end. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Right? To to a crazy extent. And the and the weird part about it is the judo community looks at it as like I can do that too. And it's like who would ever want to bet their entire life on an outlier? Good point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a great way to look at it. It's true. And they're, but they're also not willing to change to say, Hey guys, look, we don't have a lot today, but clearly we got some talent. Let's, let's make sure that these kids don't go broke. Let's make sure they don't have to live out of their cars. Let's make sure they don't have to decide whether they should pay their electric bill or eat dinner. Yeah, Let's just make sure they don't have to do that and they can live like a basic human. And then we could win Olympic medals in this country. But they would rather sit back and go. Judo should be free. I don't want to work for it. Yeah. Whoever wants to learn can come learn from me. I exist. They're like people that don't un- understand SEO and Google. They're like, but I yeah. have a website. <laughs> why is nobody finding me? Yeah. It's like, hey man, like there's a formula for this. Listen. Yeah. It. But it's that. It's like it's common knowledge. It's just they don't want to pick it up. Interesting. They, they would rather hang on to the little scrap that they have then be a part of something magnificent
0: that's a great way of wording it though and it is true i you know you can be co- in your little cubby hole here or you can yeah that makes so much sense people <clears throat> always
1: think that jujitsu grew in the states to this massive massive beast of a uh, martial art because of the ufc i 100 percent disagree with that it grew to this massive extent Because there were hardworking Americans, Brazilians, whoever it was that said, you know what? I'm going to double down on me because I believe in myself. I am hardworking. I can provide value to the community. And I'm going to put this giant sign on this building and it's going to say, hey, here I am. I teach jujitsu. I teach self-defense. I teach martial arts. Yeah. Come find me. And you put hundreds of thousands of those billboards Countrywide, why would people not know of jiu-jitsu? It's got no. nothing to do with the UFC. As it's a nice to have, yeah. but even without the UFC, if the UFC got cut off tomorrow and was never like we didn't allow, you know, MMA fighting in the United States for whatever right. reason. Congress passes really. a law. Jiu-Jitsu still flourishes. And you know what's crazy? The biggest schools in the world, the biggest organizations are not the best practitioners. Interesting. You know why? Really. Because they suck at their job. Because their job, right, as a school (laughs) owner, has nothing to do with their own personal ability. That's, yeah, two separate things for sure. Two separate things. So they suck at their new job. They're great at their old job. Yeah. They suck at their new one. (laughs) They need to partner with a guy that works that back end that's good at his job and say, hey, man, you're good at this Matt stuff. I'll bring you clients. I'll get the business name out. I'm really good at that. You keep them. I'll bring them. You keep them. Let's let's get this partnership going.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's truth. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of people be like, "Hey, I'm I'm good at jujitsu. I, I, I I'm a purple belt, brown brown a black belt. Open up. You may not be good at business. No, nope. you know, it's a completely separate separate entity. And speaking of which, <clears throat> I didn't want to touch uh, based on this because I I am a fanatic. I am a judo fanatic i'm a bjj fanatic uh this is awesome uh these guys they pump out the the best just the best they had the, the best uh, people come on there they had the uh best takes on videos and everything how did you get involved in this and uh what's kind of the future look like So you know,
1: i've been i've actually been around since the very beginning like day one first video shoot do <laughs> it or not and and the first video that was ever shot Happened? How, what was it like? Fifteen years ago? Now? Yes. It was like wow. two thousand. was no. It was before you ever knew BJJ fanatics ever existed. Wow. Really? Yeah. It was well. Like it was before that was even thought up. We, not me, my friend and my other friend shot an instructional on takedowns for jujitsu because one of my friends, who's one of my students today, okay. he's the guy that's a great marketer. He's a great business guy. Not the great practitioner, right? He's, he's good, right. decent, but he's not going to go win a world title at the dollar, I see. Yeah. Right? But he trained with one of my buddies who was on the Olympic team in 08. And he goes, you know what would do really well is if, hey, you're a judo guy, you're an Olympian, you're a heavyweight, big guys in judo need to learn, or in jujitsu need to learn takedowns. What if we just filmed a takedown instructional? And that's so- That's how it
0: started, huh? That's how it yeah. started.
1: They grabbed the camera they threw up ads everywhere. And it started this like one video after another, after another, after another. And it's how I actually got the Copa Podio position. Oh, okay. Because he had just filmed an instructional with Keenan, I think at Brown Belt. And it was back during the Keenan, Paulo, uh, okay. like double guard polling, 50, 50, like back and forth, double DQ era. And I, he came into the gym one day and he was like, so what would you do? And I go, I would do this. And it's where the Paulo Meow back take came from, from Copa Podio. Oh, it, okay. thought up from the double DQ matchup that Keenan and Paulo had, where he played me the clip. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Why wouldn't Keenan just use his size and do this? And he yeah. was like, that would never work. And I go, it'll work.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I'll show you. And so... I've known that guy who was one of the founders of that from his very first video ages ago. And then we kind of lost contact. And then um, when I was finishing up my 2016 career, he had started BJJ super deals. And then he had met up with Bernardo who retired a few years before. Okay. Yeah. And then Bernardo was really into marketing, Facebook ads, all that kind of stuff. So they made a partnership where Bernardo would kind of control the advertising spend and the marketing and be kind of the, the face to the brand.
0: Well, right? he's got, he's got that, that really lo- lovable, likable
1: vibe, and, you know, and he's a good, uh, what, yeah, not, I don't want to say lovable and likable, but he's not a, uh, off putting person. Like he's friends with the Gracie Baja guys. He's obviously an alliance. He's friends with the Henzo people. He's very likable yeah. to all associations. We're like, you see okay. some people, okay. like from Gracie Baja, you're like, hey, they're only Gracie Baja. They don't talk to the people over here. Or like you see some of the Henzo guys and like, we don't talk to the people over here. You're not allowed to go over there. We're, we're Henzo Gracie. Bernardo was kind of like, you know, he talked and spoke to everybody because he's, he's got that likable personality, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And so they made that partnership and I just, I was kind of just there to you know, sit in the room and, and give ideas, talk to like problem solve, bounce ideas off of. Oh, okay. And then they asked me to shoot a couple of things. They would do a couple of things like when they had problems with like, Hey, so we're trying to get this thing done. Like, what are you doing? Why don't you just go do this? Or, Hey, I know this guy, let's go over here and do this. Right. I don't actually have any stake in BJJ fanatics apart from having some DVDs on their site. Right. I just kind of every once in a while and part of the conversations on where things are going, how things are going, just cause I'm, a, I'm like a trusted friend.
0: Got it. Okay. Which is how
1: I got the judo fanatics thing started was because I'm like the Bernardo to the judo side, right? Like even yes, though I have okay. a very polarizing thing, I yeah. also know yeah. all the players.
0: That's right? a great point. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> Yeah, because
0: you guys keep having amazing people on and uh, and the different perspectives as well. It really it just helps. I mean, sometimes, I mean, you, you know, you could go technique crazy, of course, but it's, it's sometimes you'll see something like, okay, this is like a technique, my go-to cornerstone, but I never thought of it that way. It really does help.
1: You know, it's crazy that a lot of people just, they don't, they don't want to believe or they don't want to understand is. I, I understand from a coaching perspective, I am not the guy for everybody. Okay. I, I will fight tooth and nail to tell you that my way works, right? but it may not work for you gotcha. because you do need some attributes. You do need some attributes to pull off whatever it is I'm teaching you. And you may not have that today. I could help you get there, but you may not want to. But that doesn't mean there's not a coach out there that has a different style or a different system or a different delivery method that you can understand. Good point. Some yeah. people may not like my delivery method. They'll right. be like, Hey, Travis, you are you are full of crap. You're too hard to follow. I don't understand a word you're saying. Makes no sense to me. Okay. Yeah. How about you try this guy over here? Here's his, here's his video. Yeah. Or what about this one over here? Let's try his video. That's a great point. Yeah because you don't know you don't know who and it's one of the things I really did well as an athlete was I never disregarded anybody and the information that came out of their mouth I took everything in I put it in the back of my head and I was like this may come in handy at some point
0: yeah great point great best, point the best coaches in the world
1: are not the best athletes in the world
0: Ah, interesting.
1: Yeah. You could, you could teach me something today and I'm like, you know what? 80% of what you said was total bull crap. But you said that one thing that I'm going to take and I'm going to teach to all my students, but I'm going to correct the other 80% bull crap that you showed me. I'm I'm very good at like, Hey, keep, keep giving it because I'm going to pull those gems out of it. I know enough to pull those gems out. I understand what it is you're missing. Gotcha and I'm seeing it and I noticed you didn't pay attention to that gem you had and you brushed right over it but you don't get that from the 90 other coaches you should make that a selling point I'm not going to tell you that I'm yeah. going to take it and I'm going to give it back to the rest of the world
0: you know it, it's that's perfect because I mean a lot of people go by the uh, the book of the five rings Miyamoto Musashi and he has a lot of I mean it's all within you and you you, you take as these little yeah like you said these little nuggets as you go and and yeah. it, it it makes total sense yeah I never g- fell into that like um Sometimes you can almost get a little, uh, dare I say, culty. People are just like, this. okay, whatever you say. I get the whole master ratio, you know, a relationship, but you got to be a self-thinking person as well. And then who knows, maybe you get, yeah, because you have your own style that everybody loves. Or
1: One of the things I always try to instill in my students is that there's no right or wrong. There's only good decisions and bad decisions. So oh, yeah. I, I always ask my students and they, they think I'm angry, but I'm not. I'm like, hey, okay. like, what the F are you thinking right now? Yeah. Not not because not because what they're doing is so wrong, because it could be genius. Right. right? Okay. And their and their answer will tell me the difference. Like, because there's a difference when you're a white belt, when you're a blue belt, when you're a new black belt, and I say new black belt with like most of you suck at jujitsu. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because you have Gordon Ryan up here. And then you have like your first time black belt down here and you're like, we're not yeah. even in the same, we're not even in the same ballpark, right? Yeah. So you, you suck at jujitsu if yeah. you're a black belt. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah. Because you think, you think you've done it. There's so much more to go. you so got to always, always be growing. Yes. And you've always got to be chasing it. It's not the end result that a lot of people think it is. Got it. Yeah. So. I always try to like dive in to make sure that my students are always cognitively thinking because it's not about whether it works or doesn't work because I don't want my, my students to do something that's very wrong technically, but get a good result. Okay. Because they're using somebody who's unathletic, tired, um, doesn't have the same skill level. All those things come into factor to getting that technique to work. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So then are you is your thinking and your process sound? That's what's more important. Interesting. So even though you got swept, even though you got submitted, was your defense correct and you just weren't strong enough? You were too tired. Or but what's mostly there is your partner actually did the right thing to counter your counter. A yes. lot of people get something countered, or if they think it fails and they go back to the drawing board and they're like, but it didn't work. So I should fix it. No, you just need to get better at the fundamentals and get a stronger base. Yeah. It's why people don't necessarily like the way I teach because when I teach the basics, it's level one. And then I go, okay, here's my answer to that. Here's my answer to that. When we hit four
0: basic, number one, fix it. it. Yeah. It. Oh, that's a great yeah. point. Yeah. Cause so many people, they, uh, they get, they take those quick wins yes.
1: where they yeah. get in shape, they get a little stronger, they they grab the person the next round when they're super tired and then they prove that it would have worked, right? Where yeah. they throw the excuse on themselves and they're like, you know what? I, I hate this with a passion, right? People used to do this to me all the time as an athlete. we like, hey, you want to train? I'd be like, yeah, sure. You know, I ran a marathon the other day. I'm kind of tired. Sorry, I can't give it my all. We're like, hey, let's train. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. You know, I lifted weights this morning. I'm, yeah. My legs are a little tired, and it's like, yeah. what are you doing, right? You're all, you're, yeah, but it it has nothing to do with the outcome. You're just trying to justify your own skill. By oh, okay, by, yeah, you've accepted the idea that you've already lost, and you've labeled it as I lost not because I'm not as skillful as him, but wow. because I did this other activity. You've subconsciously just like justified your you losing. Wow, that's right? truth, man. That is and a it's thousand like, percent. What are we what are we doing? You should you should be demoted just for saying that. <laughs> like I don't want to hear you had a long day at work. Hey, I've been yeah. here too. It's not my fault that I'm okay with it. And you're yeah. not it's not my fault.
0: Well, that's another reason I want to have you on the show too, because like, you know, just just through you know, following you so long, uh you're even you know, talking with Jimmy, it, it's you guys don't sugarcoat it. And it's, it's just, let's be real here. What's, what's really going on? What you just said hit the nail on the head. And I don't put myself, I
1: don't put myself in situations where I, I would do that to myself. I just, I chalk it up as like, a, I made a mistake, but I'm out. Like, I don't, I don't want to be in this environment anymore. Right. Like when I train with somebody in jujitsu, right where they are we're at practice and we're training you can tell specifically in the gi right you can tell that that person is tracking advantages and points right i'm like that's not why i'm here i came to practice to get better not not to deal with your ego yeah so one of two things happen i either just don't train with you anymore because i feel like it's a waste of my time or i get so physical that you don't want to train with me anymore because you, you turned to competitive. Okay. Okay. You want to secretly keep points. Okay. We'll we'll go down that road. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now, now we're not, now we're not on the same page where we're in this for training purposes and it makes it really difficult for people to get better.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Right. You might get, you might become a good competitor, right? But that doesn't mean you get better. You can get better at competing without getting better at the sport.
0: I think the mentality too, or even some guys would be like, uh, "Oh, have no, that guy's just, you know he's just bigger than me." Yeah, uh, yeah. I am you know, okay, I got it. If you have weight advantage, cool, but there's guys smaller than him beating him. So it's it's a again, it's a, how do you get better? You don't get better thinking that way at all.
1: Nope.
0: yeah, you know, that's just what you know. The realism is of it. Yeah. Um I did want to go into real quick. Uh that was that was amazing. Uh, uh I love Fuji Sports. Well, we actually had custom uniforms, jujitsu uniforms made and uh, the best uniforms. Actually, my all-time favorite brand and model for you guys is uh the Sakai, the, the, yep. the Sakai model. Yeah, I one, yeah. Love that one. Can you go into your your role with Fuji Sports and kind of go to let everybody know what you guys do? I used to be a sponsored athlete.
1: Um, back in my athletic days for, for judo, for Mizuno, Hadashita, Fuji sports, I kind of Fuji for Jiu Jitsu. I was kind of like the athlete representation face of the company at the time. And when I decided to not compete and train anymore, I was looking for what I could do. And so I looked at Fuji sports as a brand and I said, Hey, like, I understand you guys are full staff, but here's how I can help. And I wrote together, I wrote together a proposal. I sat down with the owner of the company and I said, here are the gaps I see in your business. Here's where I could fill them. Here's what I'm good at. And then let me know if I can help. And then they hired me for that job. And then I've since then kind of grown into what it is I do today.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: So, I do all the product photography, um, social media photography, social media posting, product design, product development, R&D, um, Facebook advertising, Google advertising, event sponsorships. Wow. Um, sponsorship for athletes. It all runs across my desk.
0: Wow. that that's, I'd say it grew, huh? <laughs> yeah. And
1: then we, we, as a company, we internally, since we're a very small team, we we kind of like bounce back and forth. We're like, I'm not necessarily the only one doing like product development. We have another guy that works on the team who is a consumer, right? Like he, he's in the industry. Like he loves like stuff. Yeah. Okay. Like, I can't remember the last time, like I went shopping for like a t-shirt. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not a general, like I'm not a consumer. I can't remember the last time. Like I went out and looked for a D to buy with my own money. So I'm not a consumer. So we have another guy on the team that's in charge of other aspects, but he helps out a ton with like product development, just from like, this is what consumers like, this is what consumers are into. And then we go back and forth on like different product ideas, different development ideas, working with different designers. I do a little bit of design, but nowhere near like professional.
0: Gotcha. Very, very interesting. I mean, you and you guys also, but they do a little everything, right? Facility design as well. And
1: yeah, Full on, like it doesn't matter what you need. Like you, you give me a blueprint, I'll build you your dream.
0: <laughs> That's that should be a T-shirt right there. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, yeah, I, I know some people do the judo drop floor or even springboard spring floor. I have uh, that in my gym. So I was going to ask what your take. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just easy on the body, so you can do the, like more reps. Or how do you like? Some guys don't even care, you know. So
1: from a business standpoint. From a business standpoint, you would be dumb not to have it. Yeah, right. As a business owner, because the number one thing, if you're if you're great at getting students in your door, if you're great at customer service, the one thing that that mat that sprung floor is going to do for you, customer retention. Yeah, yeah. Because you you know what, all of my students, I, I allow my students to train anywhere they want. Right, pay your membership. You can come to me one time a week and go there five times a week. Pay your membership. I believe in my own skills. So, if you want to, like, I have students that come to my class to learn and train with me to go back to their schools just to beat up the other people. Like, I have students that do that. I don't care. Like, what difference does it make to me if you want to go beat up somebody else? But the one thing that all of my students love is my floor. Yeah. Because once you've, tr- once you've trained on a sprung floor with inch and a half or two-inch mats, and then you go train on a one-inch mat somewhere else, it feels like concrete.
0: Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, right now. I, we had uh, we had, uh, rented a space out when we had Hoist Gracie, um, and it was a gymnastics place, and it's all spring floor. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Anytime we did a tank, I just pop back up, meaning I was just ready to do more That sucks. Talks.
1: That sucks on your skin, though, because that's carpet burn. That's mat burn. That's- we, had,
0: we had mats on it, but yeah. I'm okay. okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, that was the other thing. With the facility design going into it, yeah, we, we definitely plan on doing more. Of that. we got crash mats, but you guys had a, a tapered crash mat, which I thought was ingenious. Yep. Where you could...
1: Lifts up the tatami and you slide it in and it's same height as your mat on the sides, but it poofs up in the center.
0: So it doesn't mess your footwork up. That I thought that was awesome. Um well guys, guys, I usually have on the show, I like to play a little game. You wanna play you ready to play a little game here?
1: That makes me a little nervous.
0: <laughs> Everybody has the same reaction. Uh, okay, so this game uh, we call the a fantasy four versus game. So basically you, Travis Stevens, fantasy four pick. I'm gonna give you four people. I'm going to show pictures here. Four people uh, of what-if scenarios. And at the end of the four, you say, which one sounds the most interesting to you? And then you're going to tell me uh, how that fight's going to go down, okay?
1: Wait a minute. I got I to gotta 100% be honest with everybody here. I am, A, the worst with names. Okay. And, B, I don't actually, like, as an athlete, I could care less what anybody else does. Okay. Right. Because my my whole thing is... If I can start the match in point A, and I'm really good at getting there, everything is in my world at that point. I don't need yeah. to know what you're going to do. Sure. That's right. That's, Once I get you to play my game, you're in my wheelhouse. And my goal is to go wherever you are. How do I get back into my game? Okay. so that- and, that's, and that's more of like the back and forth battle at the high level. It's like, hey, I want to do jujitsu from a reverse daily hila knee cut. You want to do spider guard. Well, how do I get from your spider guard to my reverse daily even knee cut and make you want to stay there so that I can beat the crap out of you?
0: Interesting. Yeah, it doesn't matter who it is. It so, okay. doesn't matter who it is. All right. So that answers how the fight will go down. This is this is for the fans here. So here we go. You ready? I'll see if I
1: know him. Here we go.
0: I'll give, I'll do the names. Uh, okay. So first guy right off the bat, we're talking judo. We're talking jujitsu. Is Masahiko Kimura.
1: Okay, I was, win all day.
0: Yeah. awesome wait
1: am i the guy in all of this you got it oh this is gonna be easy yeah i got this (laughs) i thought i was doing two random people together
0: no no this is travis stevens versus oh okay here we go cool this will be easy all right (laughs) right and then next guy is gene labelle
1: you're not gonna you're not gonna pick up anybody there might be one There might be one. You're not going to pick up anybody that is not a current judo player today. If you pick anybody from the past, I 100% won. Okay.
0: All right. So the next guy, actually, uh, I recently found out about this guy. Uh, He's the most successful competitive judoka of all time. Yasuhiro uh, Yamashita.
1: Oh, he's a big dude.
0: Yeah. Yasuhiro Yamashita. He
1: would would beat me. You just picked a heavyweight. That's a.
0: Uh, but it's old school, you know, so, uh, yeah, we're going
1: back into leg grab rules though. That's, that's a tricky one.
0: That's a tricky one. Okay. And the next one might be the, the biggest challenge yet though. Okay. All right. This is a, you're, you're going to go Teddy Reiner, aren't you? No, this this is called fantasy four, right? Okay. Uh, You versus John wick, man. Come on. Oh,
1: he'd be a dead man. (laughs) He'd be a dead man. <laughs> That's a dead man walking right there.
0: A dead man. So which, which was the most interesting matchup for you? Would, would it be this one? Yeah. The most interesting. Um so that that was our fantasy four pick. Uh we, we we like to have fun on the show a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah. What, what is the future? I mean, you, you're, you got your hands in a lot of stuff here, right? You got the uh, teaching, uh, you're trying to raise uh, future Olympians. You got uh, Fuji sports, you got judo uh, fanatics. What is um, any projects you're currently working on for the future? And what does the overall future look like for what you're setting up? Um,
1: that's a, that's a super tough question. I would like to f- find a way to professionalize judo in America and, and really, you know, cause I, I personally believe that jujitsu players want to be a part of the Olympics. I, I think that I think yeah. from a standpoint, they want that. I also understand they can't have that right from like a legality standpoint. It, yeah. it doesn't work. They don't have the infrastructure required. Nor are they even trying to set it up. The closest, the closest ones to doing it are the Abu Dhabi guys. And okay. uh, yeah, they're really you need like actual like, Hey, who's like the national governing body that grows judo in America? Who, who Who's in charge of that? I right? see. Like you, you need like that's USA judo for us. Yeah. That's judo Canada. That's the Mexican judo federation where there's actually like a building and a room where people sit down and decide this is the team for the United States. Here's where we fund them. Here's where they go. Here's how we grow grassroots. Here's the membership base. Here's all the money. Like they, they work to grow the sport. I mean, I'm not saying they do a good job at it. I'm just saying it exists. Right. Right. right? Jiu-jitsu doesn't have that.
0: True. So it's all like kind of individual um, clubs, clubs. Yeah
1: yeah and they went they went the affiliation route where we went the national governing body route, which gives us the Olympics.
0: Sorry, interesting, Wow. Okay. That's
1: just like again, that's not my fault. That's you know just the way it works. yeah but but if you could put judo in every jiu Jitsu club in America and then all of those coaches could raise stars and athletes that came from their clubs that became Olympians. Right. like That makes sense. It, it could give them an attachment to something more than just an IBJJF world title that at the end of the day, no one really cares about.
0: Right. I get what you're saying. Yeah, that makes so much sense.
1: So I'd like to find a way, you know, to professionalize the sport where like real money is coming into it. People are running clubs professionally. Members are getting taken care of and athletes don't have to do what I did and athletes in the past where they've got to scrape by like, and they're doing it right now in jujitsu. They're like, let's remove Gordon Ryan, for example, the the outlier, like the me and judo for America. I'm an outlier like Gordon. Gotcha. Everybody else is scraping, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? They're okay with their $2,000 a month sponsorship. They're okay with their school paying them five grand a year, but they're working in all of these different buckets where Gordon's over here. Like, Hey, all I do is wake up every day and think about how I'm going to break you. Right. Everybody else is trying to figure out how to make a little bit of money and train and compete and run schools. And it's they're not doing the job professionally. I would like to figure out how to professionalize judo. Interesting. Yeah. The rest of the world has decided whether they think education is important or not. They decided that at the age of 14, you have to decide to be a professional judo player.
0: I see. Wow, that is a big difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah so once you've once you've graduated high
1: school and you decide like, hey, I'm ready for the international scene. Here we go. The rest of the world's been there, done it. They've been on the circuit for four, five, six years. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah. So we got a question in here. Oh, okay. So on John Danaher, um, let's talk with Hodger Gracie about next major goal to raise the competency of BJJ and standing position like you did with lot leg locks at the highest level judo guy. Oh, what, what are your thoughts on that? I,
1: not that I think it's a waste of time. Yeah. But, you know, the weird thing about jujitsu is the community can't decide on what a good rule set is, right? It's a challenge. And as good as Gordon is, He's good at what he does because he has found a rule set that allows him to be good. That is not that is not to say that had he been forced to fight in an IBJJF only scenario, that he wouldn't be just as good. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that he is who he is today because of this one particular rule set that a portion of the community has decided isn't real. Right. Gotcha, this yeah. like weird, no time limit sub only. And then you got the guys like Andre, they're like, Hey, go win an IBJJF this go win an ADCC. That. Right. And there are all these different rule sets. Yes. Yeah, the rules. And none of them require good takedowns. Right. So when you want to raise the level in the sport, the only way to do it is to force the sport to change, which requires a rule change that dictates you have to learn
0: it. Otherwise yeah.
1: nobody cares.
0: True, yeah, I and mean, otherwise, I mean, even even in sports jiu-jitsu, most competitions, if you do any takedown, successful takedown, it's just two points. It's useless. Can't it's like, useless. why why even try? Yeah. Y- yeah, you, you know, if I go for an Osotogari, and you know, you're taking my back, it kind of... But then the whole idea
1: is, like, who really took down who? If I throw you to the ground with Uchimata and then you roll, I roll over you and you roll on top, like, you took me down? Excuse me? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) How did that work? Yeah, it doesn't even... (laughs) I throw you as hard as I can on your back with so much force I roll over, but you get two points?
0: Yeah, how's that work? That's
1: what I mean. Like, the the rules would just have to to be modified in order to make that... Like, you could... Teach anybody judo. That doesn't mean it can be applied in a successful manner in the sport of jujitsu, just based on the rules and how it works. Like there's no fleeing the mat rule. There's no stalling calls. There's no too much grip fighting rules. There's no, all these things that require judo players to engage, which allows us the ability to throw each other is because of the rules. If you let me run out of bounds or break grips as much as I wanted, you would never throw me. No. Yeah. yeah, Good point. Right. So it would take something on like a grander scale, which maybe John is actually conjuring up, right? Because EBI did it, which is where Gordon and everybody made their name. He just woke up one day and said, you know what? This is how judo is going to get better. Here's the rule set. I don't care if the IBJJF picks it up, but we're going to get everybody focused over here and making sure that people learn good takedowns.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. And you could, you could come up with like a, a rule set for EJJ that was like, well, what if you were stuck in a position for longer than a minute without, without an actual change? Because then it turns it more into a fight. There's like a clock on it. And then if, Hey, if you're stuck in spider guard and you haven't swept him or you're stuck on guard and you haven't swept him in a minute, we're neutral. We're back on our feet. Even, Good even point. if, even if like the guard jumping and all of that was allowed. Even if the pulling guard was allowed, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it would still allow the person who knows that they're going to pull guard to pass every time. And if they got stuck in half guard, if they got stuck in closed guard for longer than a minute, they could stand. And then they'd be back to neutral. And then you have the chance to pull guard and get underneath them and change position. If you got stuck in deep half, back up on your feet. Like, learn to use yeah. it or don't use
0: it. Yeah. But
1: don't like, stay there.
0: Let's push the action. You know, let's not just, yeah. uh, I take your back. I get both hooks in. I take one leg off, put it back in. It counts as that's a not.
1: Hook. Yeah, like that's not. What are we doing? Yeah, we're stall. We we are we are systematically stalling at that yeah. point.
0: That's, systematically stalling is a good way to word it. Yeah, because that's what it is.
1: But I think that would be the only way to like really force it and like make sure that you got enough reps in because to spend all your time trying to learn a takedown for a guy to just sit is like. There's nothing more frustrating.
0: Yeah, you got this tool set that's okay. As soon as you I, down, I buy
1: John Donner's $297 DVD. I spend three months studying yeah. it. I attend judo classes for a year. I am ready for my first IBJJF competition, guys. It's card.
0: Yeah. It's like, uh, okay. Yeah, what are we doing here? Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, that's that's done. That you know, if that's the case, I always thought like even you know, jujitsu competitions, dude, just start on the ground, which is unrealistic. But, like, everything starts on the feet, Just to sit on the ground. Yeah, just to sit on the ground. And the, crazy, cool. and the crazy
1: part about it to me is when you go out of bounds, they put you back in a position. It's like, but we left the field of play. Shouldn't we go back to neutral? Right, right. But then sometimes it's not defined and you do go back to neutral. It's like they don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, point. and there's so many different bodies of uh, you know of rules. You know, yeah. no like you said, no one can really agree upon it. Uh, well, hey man, this has been amazing. I want to everybody know where to where to catch you here. He's on website uh, Fuji Sports, Fuji yep. Gym, uh, Judo Silencer on uh, Instagram and Twitter, uh, Travis Stevens, US uh, Judo Athlete, Facebook. Look up Travis Stevens on uh, YouTube as well. He's really cranking away on the YouTube side of things yep. now. Is there anything else you want to direct him towards?
1: Nope. I think the easiest way to get a hold of me is either YouTube or Instagram. Instagram, awesome. Instagram message though. I don't respond to the idiotic comments that hit my feet. Okay. I can't. I can't handle it. I can't handle the. I teaching people judo with the jujitsu guys telling me how it doesn't work in their sport, and I'm like,
0: <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. you're an idiot! Like, I just want to rip into them, but I. I I don't want to turn into the next Gordon Ryan. I I don't want (laughs) to, I don't (laughs) want to do it. As entertaining as it is to watch, I don't want to do it. I don't (laughs) want to fight the internet.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So the internet's for it. It's to bring up BS. that you see we have to
1: look face to face. So I'll, I I look at all the comments for YouTube. So that's like the easiest way. And I
0: check it. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. We'll talk again, man.
1: Yep. Of course.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior's Edge podcast. For more great talks and interviews on all things martial arts, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ever in our area, you're welcome to come in and train with us at our academy, Olympus Grappling Arts. Until the next one, keep listening and keep training.